am a magic mom. I am the mom of the perfect daughter for me. I have big dreams inside of me waiting to be realized. The greatest gift I pledge to give my daughter is to live an authentic and fully lived life. I model the kind of person I want my daughter to be every day, and I commit to continuing on the journey of becoming. I seek out models for myself from which to learn in order to become the person I want to be. I affirm the beauty and character in myself and in my daughter every day. I call out the good knowing what I appreciate, appreciates. I give grace on the daily to myself and to my daughter. We make mistakes as it's the only way to grow. I am a curious inquisitor. I ask powerful questions of myself and my daughter from a place of genuine curiosity and not one of judgment. I actively seek out the coach I need in every area of my life. I'm committed to being the best coach my daughter will ever need or know. My second life has begun recognizing now that I only have one. It is never too late to live a life that I love. I make magic happen. If you are a parent or leader of any sort, or even a future parent or leader, you are in for a treat today with my friend, Alice Daly. Parenting is perhaps the most important role that any of us will play in life. And yet not many people make the time to study and learn from successful parents. Alice is raising four amazing daughters. She's an avid student of life, and she has taken the time to put some of her best concepts into writing in her new book, The Magic Mom. Get ready to learn how to make magic happen with Alice Daly. Welcome to Changing Lives Podcast. I'm your host, Dan Cassetta. This podcast was originally created to spotlight the leaders, alumni, and friends of the Cutco Vector Marketing community who are leveraging their positive influence to empower people all over the world to change their lives. Every few weeks, we go outside of the Cutco Vector sphere to bring you a guest who is teaching others how to have a more successful and fulfilling life, both personally and professionally. The special guests we bring to you here in episodes like today's are successful entrepreneurs, best-selling authors, superstar business executives, and transformational leaders from many walks of life. The lessons they share are compelling, real-world concepts for business and life. Through hearing real-life stories and hands-on experiences, you'll gain insights that can help you in whatever it is that you do in life. Thanks for pressing play. Let's get on with today's episode. Ladies and gentlemen, I am honored and grateful to have Alice Daly as my guest today. Alice has four daughters, ages 19, 17, 13, and 10. She has a master's in organizational leadership. She built a successful real estate business within the Keller Williams organization. And she has been widely recognized for excellence in leadership and entrepreneurship. Alice is the author of a new book called The Magic Mom, Five Principles to Unlock Your Natural Gifts to Raise Entrepreneurial Daughters. She is a special guest from outside of the Cutco Vector community today, but certainly a friend of our community who knows many people in our community and whose oldest daughter 
is selling Cutco at this point. Alice Daly, thank you so much for being part of the podcast. Oh my gosh, what an honor, Dan. So much fun to be here. Fantastic. Well, start by telling us a little bit about your family, Alice. My husband, Seth, and I have been married for t- over 22 years. We met in college in uh, outside of Chicago. I'm from Baltimore originally, child of immigrants. Seth is from Montana, so we kind of met out in the middle in Chicago and thought we were going into full-time ministry when we got married, ended up being wired for business and ended up building a really great real estate business in, in Baltimore. Uh, we launched a Keller Williams office there. We've got four amazing girls, Carissa, Laura, Annika, and Brielle. And um, in the last couple of years, right before COVID hit, we actually made a really big move. Didn't know how we were going to do it, but we moved from Baltimore to Austin, which is definitely a part of the the whole story and the book and that whole deal, but really have worked really hard to design and create this life that we love because I was feeling really stuck and not in a great place. And I'm thrilled to be able to say living a truly congruent and authentic life now here in Austin with with our whole family. Outstanding. And we met four and a half years ago, Mm -hmm. right? It was July July 26th. 26th. (laughs) You remember the date because it was... uh, It was was, Laura's uh, birthday. Yeah, yeah. Laura's birthday. Laura's 13th birthday. And I remember seeing you guys. We had gone to Cleveland for the Front Row Family Summit hosted by John Vroman. And it was the night before the summit started. We had arrived at the, you know, late and we found a restaurant that was open. We actually went to one restaurant that was closed before we got there. It said it was open, but, you know, online, but then it was closed when we got there. So by chance, we ended up sitting in a restaurant in a table right next to you guys. And I remember seeing there was a birthday celebration and this girl who was like so poised and just had this great persona was there being being celebrated for her birthday. I couldn't believe she was only 13, by the way. I thought for sure she was like 15 at the time, at least. And uh, Laura came over to our table and uh, said hi to my little daughter. And and then we found out, right? you well, remember all this, right? Yeah. You remember the background of this? So like, obviously we didn't know you at the time. I, Seth was at a Tony Robbins event and so I had, I drove the girls from Baltimore to Cleveland, which yeah. I don't like doing road trips, but it was like, okay, we're doing this thing. Cause we really want to go to this event. We got to, I wanted to find somewhere nice to have dinner because it was her birthday. We're going to get dessert. And there was another party at the restaurant that had all these balloons and stuff and they were leaving and they were like, we don't know what to do with the balloons. And I was like, Hey, it's my daughter's birthday. If you're just getting rid of them, can we have them? She was in the bathroom. So put them in her seat. When she came back, there are the balloons. And we didn't, again, we didn't know you. And we saw your daughter eyeing the balloons. And my (laughs) daughter saw her eyeing the balloons. And Laura was like, can I go give her, can I go give her a balloon? I'm like, (laughs) hey, your balloons, you do what you want. And that's when she came over to go give your daughter a balloon. Yes. You guys engaged in like some amazing conversation. I, I stayed back and like, I think a couple of the girls came up and had conversation and they just thought like the we just talked about that all the way back to the hotel and we just had such a good time we get to the hotel i remember we took our front row picture we were so excited it was such a great evening and they were like mom i think that little girl's staying in our in our hotel and they like went looking for her at the hotel because they're like they wanted to come like give you the rest of the balloons and they couldn't find you and they were really sad and the next day we get out of the car 
And who are the first people we see as we're getting out of the car? They're like, mom, mom, those people, they're here. <laughs> and it yes. was like, oh my gosh, out of all the restaurants we could have gone to and all the people that we could have gotten balloons and then given them to you. I mean, it was just one of those serendipitous, like front row moments. Yeah. And we were there for the same event. We connected at that time. And then since then, of course, I've met Seth a number of times through yep. Front Row Dads. And, and I've seen your daughters at several different events too yeah. over, the, over the years. So really, really, it's been, uh, it's been cool. It's been cool knowing you guys. And I was really excited to see you put this book out. Thank you. Yeah. What prompted you to write the book? Well, one, I think everybody should write a book just because of, I think we all have stories to tell that need to be passed on to our kids regardless. It's always been a bucket list item of mine. So, you know, when I heard Seth and I were lucky enough to hear Jim Rohn speak years ago before he passed, and we just always just would make lists of, hey, what are things that we want to do? And always on that list was, I want to write a book. I never had an idea of what I wanted to write a book on. I mean, this was in my 20s. Like, I didn't have any ideas of what I would be qualified to write a book on. Um, And about year 15, 16 in our real estate career, I I was crispy. I was burnt out. I was feeling like, oh my gosh, I built this really great big thing and I'm tired. And I feel like I've now built the noose that I'm hanging myself with. Hmm. And I was just pushing harder and harder because I'm like, well, I'll just keep working and I'll figure out what my next thing is. I'll keep working. I'll figure out what the next thing is. And the funny thing about that is that it's not how life works because I didn't have enough margin. I didn't have enough white space in my life to even figure out what the next thing was. And so sometimes when you don't create enough white space, when you don't have enough self-care, life will stop you and say, okay, you're done. And that's what happened to me. Like I literally one day, was just like, I can't even go into the office. I just can't go. And like tears wouldn't stop. And so life stopped me. It wasn't graceful. It wasn't pretty. And that's when I started taking care of myself. And I would go like, I started going to the chiropractor because I like my, my neck and my back were, it was in pain and start getting massage. And when I started doing those things, it's kind of like when you're on a trapeze and like you not that I've ever been on one. I'm just talking about like watching people on trapezes in order for them to grab the next one. They actually have to let go of the first one. Mm-hmm. And there is this space in the middle where you're not holding on to anything and you could be you're in total free fall. And sometimes you need some of that space in your life to actually allow what wants to come next to have mm-hmm. that opportunity. And so that's what that was for me for the period of, of months. And I really wanted to get into what was my purpose? What what was next? How could I allow things that were painful in my life to be now the source of purpose? And so the question I asked myself and the question I would pose to anyone listening that feels like stuck, or if you ever get stuck in the future, a question you could ask yourself is what's the question that other people ask you over and over and over again, that you answer without even thinking about it, that just comes so effortlessly. And so the question that, as I started to get curious about that, the question that people kept asking me as we would travel and we would speak and teach. It was always, how have you raised four daughters that are really curious and kind and adventurous and entrepreneurial? And they're genuinely good human beings. I'm like, oh, well, that's easy. I can like, I can write about like our stories and things we've done, ways we've done well and ways we've really messed up and just kind of our thought processes behind them. Like if we had to come up with a system around what we did in our house, what would that look like? And that's what the magic mom ended up being. So magic is, is a system. It's not what to do, but it's rather a new way of thinking about ways that you can approach life and parenthood. Outstanding. And the book is written about moms and daughters, but 
Obviously, the principles apply to sons and dads and parenting in any situation, right? There are five principles. And so principles, they transcend all things. I write for moms and daughters because I am a mom of four daughters. And I've got a lot of stories about girls in the book. And yet some of my one of my best reviews is from a divorced dad with a son. So yes, it totally (laughs) transcends no matter what. Outstanding. Well, so MAGIC is an acronym for your five principles, right? Uh, let's, let's discuss these five principles. The first is model, right? What can you tell us about that? Yeah. So our kids are too busy watching what we're doing. They're not listening. They're watching everything we're doing. So how am I modeling who I want my daughter to be as, as an adult? We're oftentimes found telling them like, we'll do this, do this, do this, do this. They're not listening. Mm -hmm. They shouldn't. They're, they're too busy watching how we're living our lives. We tell, you know, I don't know a parent out there that would say, you know, uh, I think when you ask the question of a parent, what do you want for your children? One of the common answers we get is, well, I want them to be happy. Okay. Well, if somebody looked at you, would they say that you're happy? And I think for a lot of us, and I'll speak for the moms, like a lot of us grew up with moms that weren't happy. They wanted us to be happy, but they were kind of miserable. And I know for a lot of years, I was, I was living that miserable life and I had daughters that were watching a mom who was unhappy. So how could I expect of her that somehow magically she's going to be happy? Hmm. So really getting introspective with, okay, what are the models that I'm projecting that I'm modeling for her? And even bigger than that, who are my models for different areas of life? How am I learning? How am I growing? What models am I actively choosing? with my physical health, with my emotional health, with how I run my business, with how I treat my spouse, with how I take care of myself, what self-care looks like, because they're going to go repeat the same things. You know, all those times that we talk about, you know, as parents, like, oh, you remember that time, the first time that something came out of your mouth and it was, you knew it was one of your parents' voices that actually came out of your own mouth. Like that's modeling. Exactly. Exactly. This is such a profound point, Alice, like we could go down a rabbit hole on this one for the entire episode if we really wanted to. I think the question that a lot of people would have about what am I modeling, what am I projecting for my daughters is that uh, life is tough. It's hard. It's not always good. Um, there are issues and challenges. And, and you know, many of us have, um, you know, problems, whether it be problems at work or problems in relationships or whatever. And we can't always be a model of everything being positive all the time. And so we have to be able to model also how to handle challenge and negativity as well, right? Yeah. How do you deal with disappointment? Our kids have seen us go through profound disappointment and struggles in our marriage. You know, a lot of times when we, I know we'd have real estate clients that will get to the end of the transaction, they're like, well, you don't know, you know, I know you probably don't realize, but we're getting a divorce after we, you know, sell this house. And we're like, dude, like you hid nothing. Like you think you hid it, but our clients couldn't hide that from us. We can't hide it from our kids. So if we're wanting to be authentic, we walked the journey with our kids in an age appropriate way. But when, when Seth and I had some hard times, it was, Hey, mom and dad, like, yeah, sometimes there are hard conversations because long lasting marriages don't happen without the hard conversations. So dad and I are leaning into these conversations and 
letting them see that like, Hey, if they had questions, they could always come to us. Cause we always wanted them to be able to come to us instead of having to go outside and ask questions and wonder and doubt and have fear and anxiety. We always wanted it to be a safe place for them. Right. I think the way that, that our children see us respond to difficult situations is so important because like you said, we want them to come to us. We don't want them to be afraid to bring up something with us because they're worried about how we're going to respond. Are we going to be mad? Are we going to yell at them? Right? Like we want to create an open communication with our children. And that's, that's a difficult thing to, to do. It's a difficult thing to model, I think. Yeah. Well, that's codependency right there is when our kids feel like they can or can't do something because of how somebody else will feel. Right. Right. So, so being able to, to show them like, this isn't about how, you know, there are times where I've told them like, Hey, yeah, I might be angry with something that you say, and it doesn't mean that you don't say it. Like you get to say it. Cause if that's what's going on for you, that's, what's going on for you. And I've got my own stuff over here and they might collide a little bit, but can we have, can we have an honest and fierce conversation about that and, and work through the mess? Wow. That that's such a great point. I might be angry about something you're going to say or tell me, but it doesn't mean not to say it, right? We've got to be able to work through the mess. Like that's a great lesson for anybody to take home. Yeah. And, the anger and, is and mine. Utilize. It's not, it's not theirs and it's not their responsibility. If I'm mad, that's me. That's my own stuff, but that has nothing to do with you. Yeah. Very powerful. Thanks for sharing that. What else do you feel, Alice, that you and Seth have been done really, really well modeling for your daughters? Living by our values. So for us to get clear on the things that we value, my number one core value in life is community. And and that comes from a place of profound pain in my life and wanting to create, to have friends become family. And so we created a whole real estate business, much like you can create a Cutco business, much like you can create any business around the thing that we value. We value community. So even the houses that we've owned, we would go into them and say, hey, could we have a bunch of people over? Could we host people? Could we welcome people here? Would this be an environment that would facilitate that? Because we wanted our kids to learn how to welcome people into our home, that friends aren't strangers for long, right? Like they're just family we haven't met yet. So we welcome people to come in. We wanted them to be able to shake the hand of an adult and to be able to carry on a conversation that the adult would think that they were talking to a peer that they were respectful, that they knew how to find, like if somebody needed something, like we we go, we meet the needs. So as we um, built our real estate business, we would throw movie parties and parties at our home and barbecues. And those were just normal things for our kids. And they all played a role in making it happen. It wasn't, oh, mom and dad are going to work now. You guys go to a babysitter. It was always, no, this is, this is our family value of community. Come on, let's go. We're going to host this. And they love it. Even to this day, they're like, Hey mom, can we come to that next event you're doing? And it might be, I I host a lot of girls night out events here in Austin. And my 10 year old, she's like, can I do the name tags? Can I like greet people when they come and give them their name tags? And can I put smiley faces on them? I'm like, well, ask them if they'd like a smiley face. Sure. Go ahead. They get to learn how to live out values that we really hold dear. So we we're very, we're very clear about our own values and of them finding now 
what their values are so they can go live them, especially having two adult children that are, you know, one out of the house, one about to leave because they go out empowered with these things because we don't want to teach them what to think, but we do want to help them with how to think and not telling them like, well, you have to think like I do, vote like I do. Like, it's not about that. It's no, I want, I want you to, I want you to know how to fish. I want you to not just, just not just hand you the fish. Yeah. And you're also teaching about the importance of relationships because I think about when kids go to college, like there's lessons they get from their schooling, but the the relationships they build, the network they create yeah. while while there is way more valuable than the stuff they're going to learn from the books and the professors at school, you know? And so that whole aspect of networking through serving others, building relationships with others, giving value to others, that's such a valuable thing that I think your girls are being exposed to that I could tell just from my interactions with Seth that uh, you guys are great at. Yeah, so funny story, Carissa, when she started selling Cutco, she became known as the girl. She's like, they're like, Hey, that's the girl that Hal Elrod bought a knife from. (laughs) (laughs) They're like, wait, how did that happen? Right. And that was really just years of her building her own relationships through networks that, you know, we would expose them to, but it was their work of building relationships that made that possible years later. Yeah. That's excellent. That's great. So model modeling, modeling, living by your values, what are you projecting? Are you living the kind of life that you want your daughters to lead, your children to lead versus just telling them about it, but actually modeling that in real life? Yeah. Very foundational point for sure. Yeah. And maybe you should have said this at the beginning. It doesn't even matter if you're a parent with any of this stuff. This is just life stuff, right? Because even if you don't have kids, you're preparing for what's to come, but you're also, you're still a model for somebody. Somebody's watching you. It could be the, the child of a client. It could be a niece or a nephew. We're all models, whether we realize it or not. Certainly applies to leadership of all sorts as well. And for the audience that are listening who are you know young Cutco reps that don't have kids, I just think it's so awesome that they get to hear stuff like this before they have kids because oh you know kids don't, Kids don't come with an instruction manual. You know, I had mine. I didn't have, I didn't have any parenting training and, uh, you know, had luckily I found front row dads when my first kid was two years old and began getting exposed to these sorts of concepts and these sorts of discussions. But, uh, you know, it's uh, parenting is hard. Yeah, it is. Yeah. And I, I'd say to the folks that are listening that maybe you're, you're a guy who's got a, you know, a wife at home that isn't exposed to all of the great learning that comes from like Cutco and KW, like we're we're in these personal growth worlds, but maybe you have somebody in your life that isn't in that world. Like, it's funny because I I wrote this book with the intention of, you know, Hey, this is about helping you raise your daughter, but it's actually a personal growth book disguised as a parenting book because you can't lead anyone else until Mm. you lead yourself first. Mm. Exactly. Great insight right there for sure. So then the A for magic mom is affirm. Affirm. Tell us about that. Yeah. So, so the question I would pose around that is what spoken affirmation enables my subconscious to help me find the answers. I grew up in the age of Saturday night live where affirmations were the funny things that, uh, was it Stuart Smalley on Saturday night live? I'm, I'm good enough. I'm smart enough and doggone it. People like me. And like, that's what people knew about affirmations. 
And the story that I tell about affirmations is one where we were at a Tony Robbins event. Uh, I think it was life and life and wealth, life and health, where it's on a beach. And the first thing you do is like you climb up like a 40 foot telephone pole, you get to the top and then you have to jump. And there's two things I don't like. I don't like heights and I don't like the feeling of falling. So this was like completely like the worst thing I could possibly think of to do. And I just got to the point where it's like, I'm going to go do it. I don't exactly know how I'm going to go do it, but we're just going to go make this happen. And so I was the last one in my group to climb up and I I climb up to the top and the top is like, it's like the size of a dinner plate. And so you get to the top and by the time you're that high, the wind's blowing a little bit, like you're feeling like the, you're feeling the sway. And I'm like, oh my gosh, I don't know what's happening right now. My team down there, they're like all cheering me on. And we all know that feeling of the voices inside that are like, Alice, this is crazy. Don't do it. Like, like the little devil, little angel on the shoulders. Like we all have the soundtrack that's playing in our head 24 seven. And I'm listening. Like you can't not listen. Those voices get really loud, especially in times of fear. And spoiler alert, I didn't die. I did jump. I made it. And there was a debrief session around, okay, like what did you experience? And And when I got to the debrief, it was when I, that was when I was able to verbalize, oh my gosh, you know what happened? I stopped listening to myself and I started talking to myself instead. That's when I jumped. Mm -hmm. So the words that I spoke just had to be louder than the ones that were playing in the background and the little like cassette tape in the back of my brain. And so the words that we speak, even in the moment, if we don't believe them, our subconscious can't take a joke. So the words that we speak are so important. And what are the words that we're putting out there about ourselves? Most of us wouldn't allow anyone to speak to our children the way that we speak to ourselves. So just being observant of what are the words that come out of it? Like, I'm working out with a new trainer right now. And I haven't worked out with a trainer in probably somewhere between five and 10 years. And I was working out with her yesterday. I'm like, oh my gosh, Alice, I can't believe you're so dumb. I can't believe you you, you can't do that. I can't believe you're so weak. Those were the words that came. Mm. And I just had to say, okay, those aren't the words that I want. What do I want to replace them with? Alice, you're strong. Alice, you can do this. Alice, you want to be a model for your kids. So I have coaching clients that will say things like, well, I don't know what to do. I don't know how. And I'll say, "Um, hey, well, if it was your niece, your nephew, or your daughter, your son, what would you tell them? The answer rolls right off. They know. Mm -hmm. Okay. You know what you tell them. So why wouldn't you take your own advice? Hmm. Right. So the words that we speak to ourselves are so important. And I think we, I don't think we think about them enough. Yeah. So with our kids, they, of their own doing are, let's see, Carissa started it. And then Laura hopped on the bandwagon. Um, and she's got affirmations all over her wall through form of like vision boards and um, stuff. But Carissa like would put words on her mirror that she wanted to define herself. And she moved out of the house and Brielle, the 10-year-old, took her room and Brielle left all the words up and started adding her own. Mm. So Carissa, like we modeled it for the kids. Now the kids are modeling it to each other. And you just don't understand like what a ripple effect it has when you just start putting some of these things into practice. Because you don't have to do it perfectly. The whole point is, hey, just do it. Just start somewhere. Yeah. So affirm is about designing well-spoken words that represent what you want 
who you want to be, what you want to attract in your life, right? Yeah. Affirm can come in a variety of ways. I think the the most common way to think about them is in words. I also think about it in affirming in terms of who's the community that you hang out with, who are the people that you choose to surround yourself with, because they will affirm things in you and for you and with you as well. So who are the people that are around you? What are the values that you hold? Are those congruent in affirming what you want in your life? And there's a carryover here as well to what are you affirming for and to your children? Yeah. Right? Yep. And I think community plays a huge role in that because what are they seeing other, how are they seeing other people in their life respond to them and encourage them? Mm -hmm. Right? Mm -hmm. Yeah. Because it's funny. There's so many cool events that, you know, real estate, I'm sure Kako does a bunch of events that we would go to like personal growth sorts of things. And there would be an opportunity. Well, if you bring your family if you bring your kids, like there's babysitting options, or you know, you, you would need to get a sitter. And we just decided, you know what, from a young age, we just decided, you know, we're just gonna buy them a ticket and they're gonna come with us and they might be on their iPad, but we didn't care because we wanted them in those rooms to hear whatever they were gonna hear. They might have caught a little bit of it, but we underestimate what they take in when they're in those environments. And I couldn't have paid enough money for the, well, one, the networking that they didn't even know that they were doing at the time Two, the words that other people would speak to our children, affirming them things like, man, you're really lucky to have parents that would bring you to something like this at your age. My parents never would have done that. You're Mm. really lucky. Yeah. Right. They don't want to hear that from me, but when they hear that from somebody else, that's super cool. that comes across the room and says that to them. I mean you would have thought, my gosh, like, so they would say things like, yeah, you know, it's really cool that you're learning about X, Y, and Z right now. I didn't learn that until I was in my thirties. My kids were hearing this like at the age of 10 and they're like, okay, taking mental notes. Like this dude didn't learn this until he was 30. I got this at 10. Okay. So they're storing this stuff away from a really young age. So, and look, if you're at the stage where you've got older kids and you're like, don't beat yourself up. It's never too late. Like there's always opportunities for all of these things if you're just looking for them. Yeah. They exist everywhere. Yeah, exactly. That was great. In this part, Alice, you also talk about letting go and you use the term uncomfortable growth. Mm -hmm. Can you tell us what you mean by that? Yeah, there was, uh, well, growth, I think by definition is uncomfortable. If, if we're, if we're comfortable, um, we we probably aren't growing. And so I think even just looking at, well, how are things? Oh, they're fine. I have a, I have a therapist who said, uh, Alice, you know, fine. is just the Christian F word. So if everything's fine, it probably isn't. It probably isn't. So looking at, okay, where, where are things not okay? And how do I want to grow? And choosing purposeful growth and realizing, okay, it's not going to be comfortable, but will I be better on this other side of it? So things that we, we've done all kinds of wacky things with our kids that I think if you knew all of the stories, somebody would probably call Child Protective Services because we've done <laughs> wacky things. But there was this one time where we, oh, well, we love, thank God for Southwest Airlines. They allow kids to fly at 12 on their own where they don't need a chaperone. They don't need, you don't have to pay the extra fees or anything like that. And so when our kids are 
our 12, we'll put them on a plane somewhere to visit somebody to do something so that they have to navigate. I remember once Laura was going to, she was doing an internship and she was going to Grand Rapids, Michigan. And uh, Seth looked at the ticket. He's like, oh, was there not a direct flight? I'm like, oh yeah, there was. And he's like, what? Oh yeah, there was a direct flight, but I I paid a couple extra dollars for the one that had to connect in Chicago because I wanted her to navigate switching planes. And she was like 13. (laughs) No, this isn't a world where we've got cell phones. And now Laura's my kid that the battery would for real run out, but then she'd have to figure it out, right? She'd have to talk to somebody, charge her phone, make some friends. And they've been beautiful experiences to see them do these cool things. Um, All of our kids, when they turn... 13, 14. No, actually, even I think Annika did it at 12. We send them to Tony Robbins to go walk on fire. So all of our kids, with the exception of the 10-year-olds, have all done it at least once. A couple of them done it twice. Those aren't, awesome. normal, those aren't normal things, but that's uncomfortable growth. Yeah, that's awesome. I just think about my daughter's eight and the kind of things that get her upset are so tiny in the big picture of life. Like they're tiny. And to expose her to like bigger challenges and bigger wow. things that she can do and, and has to figure out and navigate, uh, it just puts a perspective on everything else. And I think it's just a great, it's a yeah, great thing for kids to be exposed to. It's, it's well, what she said is just a great point. Like when we see them as tiny, it's tiny because of our perspective. But when you're eight, something that happens, it's like your entire world because it's all you're in all day, every day. So the bigger we can make their world, the less that those things will rattle them because they see so much more possibility. Right, exactly. And so being able to experience these things and work through them, experience these challenges or have these experiences that are outside their comfort zone and live through it and be fine, that's part of affirming, right? That they're okay, right? That they're gonna be good. Yeah, and more than okay. You come out on the other side better. You come out different. You come out wiser. Right. And even if it doesn't go the way you planned, what did you learn? Right? That failure isn't something to be feared. Let's go after the failure because if we fail, okay, that means we learned something. We learned a way that it didn't work. How are we going to do it different next time? Exactly. You tell a funny story in the book about, I think it was Carissa that you had to deal with the principal of the school because she had missed a few too many days of classes because she was going to see Tony Robbins. And you're like, what do you think she's going to learn more from sitting in a freaking classroom or going yeah. to see Tony Robbins? Like, yeah, come on. Princess, yeah. She was a freshman in high school and they're like, yeah, she's missing too much school. I was like, well, how are her grades? Oh, her grades are fine. I'm like, well, what did you do those four days? She was gone while she was walking on fire. Like, I think she's all right. And that's what really prompted our journey into a different way of schooling because Seth and I had always lived by the Mark Twain quote of never let your schooling interfere with your education. And when mm-hmm. school started to interfere with the way that we wanted our kids to learn, that was when we made a change because we thought we were going to be public school, a public school family. And that's what we were until it didn't work for us anymore. Mm-hmm. Yeah. What are the kids doing now for school? Yeah. So it's funny, Carissa being the oldest, they're always the guinea pigs. So she's done everything. She did public and then she did a private, she was in a private Christian school. She went to a private Catholic school and then they all ended up landing. Part of our big move from Baltimore to Austin was because we love the Acton Academy. So we love the Socratic method. 
right. theme of entrepreneurial thinkers. And, and it was an environment that would support that. Yeah. So they're all doing some version of Acton yep. at this point, age-appropriate yes. version of Acton. Exactly. Yeah. Excellent. Very cool. All right. The G in magic, Alice, is yeah. for grace. Grace. How does that manifest in your family? Yeah. So the question I pose there is who can I extend grace to in this situation and in this moment? And I think as moms, we're really good with giving grace to other people. We're really good at giving grace with our kids. And I think the the person that gets left out the most is ourselves. It's having grace for ourselves. We don't know how this is supposed to go. Nobody gave us the parenting book when we left the hospital of how to do this. And I think especially, especially I would say with moms with daughters, obviously it's what I can speak to the most is there is a reparenting of ourselves that happens raising little girls, you know, something will happen to my daughter and like, it'll take me back to when I was six years old and oh my gosh, how I thought, how I felt. And so there was a grace for, wow, how was I raised? What was my mom thinking when that happened? And really going back and saying, you know, Hey, six-year-old Alice, Hey, you're okay. And now you're okay as a 45-year-old Alice taking care of a six-year-old Brielle. There are just layers and layers and layers of just needing to have grace with ourselves. And grace can show up lots of different ways. In coaching, I come across clients all the time that are like, well, I, I'm too busy. I don't have time. I don't have time to like go get the massage, get my hair cut. And I'll say, okay, hold on. So you're, you mean to tell me that when your car, when that little light goes on for the oil change, like do you go take it in to get the oil changed? Like, well, yeah. Okay, well, what are the oil change sorts of things in your own life that you've let slide that are actually maintenance items that maybe you're considering as luxuries. Things like taking some vitamins, going for a walk, having coffee with a friend or by yourself, going and getting your hair done or your nails done or getting a massage or going to the doctor, or going to the chiropractor. Those things that were like, but oh, those are luxuries. Like, no, no, no. Like, I think those are oil change items. But if it was your car, you'd do it. So you as a human being, what would it look like to have grace for yourself and take care of yourself with the same sort of care? Mm -hmm. Yeah. I feel like, Alice, grace is sort of this double-sided coin where we have to find these places where we can be better or we can repair things that aren't right. But also we have to be accepting of a lot of things that aren't perfect and aren't going to be perfect, right? And knowing how to distinguish those two things, yeah, right? I have a quote on my daily to-do list that says, I don't remember where I read it. I read it many years ago. It says, accepting more means suffering less. Mm. Accepting more means suffering less. And it's just a reminder because I'm very much a perfectionist. And it's just a reminder that there's so many times in life where I don't need to inject my own point of view or my own way of doing things or whatever. I can just let something go. And then I think that when you do that, it has a lot more power when the big moments come along where you do feel mm -hmm. like it's something to dig into or to work on, right? Yeah. And what if we challenge the idea of perfectionism and say, you know what? Perfectionism might actually be one of the lowest standards we could hold because we know that it's actually not achievable. Mm -hmm. Right. So how can we have grace knowing, okay, perfectionism is actually something that's so unachievable and that's the standard we're holding ourselves to. That's not fair. Right. That's not kind to ourselves. Right. So you agree that there are a lot of parts of life where grace just means accepting what is yeah. and not trying to change it. 
Absolutely. And then, you know, there are other other parts where it's something that's so big, you've got to work on it. Like you said, your health being one of them. You have a phrase in this section where you say, we repeat what we don't repair. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Like what in your view are some of the areas of life that you feel like where you felt like repair has been urgent or necessary for you, for your family, for your relationship, anything like that? Yeah. So we know that history repeats itself. It's Mm -hmm. no different in ourselves and our families and trauma. None of us escapes without some form of trauma. It's part of what shapes us. It's one of the most beautiful things in that you can allow traumatic things that have happened to become a big part of your purpose and your message in life. Yet trauma does continue to pass down from generation to generation until somebody's willing to deal with it. So repair in my family tree would be around just having conversations. So I come from an immigrant family. I'm first generation in the US and it's very much a put on a nice front. Everything is great when you're outside of the house and turmoil is only for in the house and nobody knows about it or hiding things from the children, right? Or thinking that you're hiding things. And instead, like, wow, what would it be like if we had more open conversations, if we were authentic and we were honest? So for, for me, that's what repair, that's a big part of what repair has been, has been leaning into hard conversations, not just with my family, but with myself, right? What are, where are the places in my life that I don't even like going? What are the things I don't, that just, oof, that just feel hard to talk about that, you know what, maybe if we shed some light there, it wouldn't be so scary. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I think when we lean into those conversations, it's really uncomfortable at first. Mm-hmm. But normally, if we don't lean into them, we're always wishing we had. Always. And being the one that can create the safe environment, the safe space to be able to have the conversation, that was a part of the repair for me was okay, well, I was the kid that was so scared to talk to anybody because of how they would feel. Well, I don't want to make them mad. So I won't tell them how I feel because they'll get mad. But then all I did was create conflict within myself. All I did was store up a whole bunch of anger. That wasn't healthy for me. I'm trying to protect them. And all I did was hurt myself. So is there a way that we can have a conversation that we can all be self-expressed and not necessarily agree? And it'd be okay. And do you and Seth both create that safe space for expression with each other? Or do you feel like there have been times where one or the other of you wasn't creating that space? Yeah. Oh, we've definitely had our moments where it's definitely not been both of us. Only one of us could see it at a time. You know, there are times where he'll see it and be like, okay, let's create this or I'll do it. And after years, right now we can like call it out in each other and say, Hey, like how, how do we co-create this together? How do we create a safe space that we can share with one another and that our girls can also share? How can we, how can we create a culture, a community, an environment, a family that this is who we are? Because if you can create that safe space right here within a, a family, you can invite other people into it too. Right. Powerful question to think about. How can we create a safe space mm-hmm. to communicate? Yeah. Right. To communicate who we are, to communicate how we're feeling. And um, asking the person you're with, 
what can I do to create a safe space for you? Because what you need for a safe space might be entirely different than what I might need. So asking our kids, asking our partners, asking our spouses, hey, how can I show up? How can I create a safe space for you? Super powerful. It's a great one. Grace, the I in magic is for inquire. Oh, this is, uh, I, I, they're all like, they're, they're all like my children. They're all my favorites. I is for inquire. So what new questions could I ask to open up more possibility? I think one of the skills that I wish they taught in schools was how do you ask powerful questions? Because asking questions is the way that you open up new opportunity, new possibility, new ways of thinking. It's the gateway to a whole new world. Otherwise, we just get what we've always gotten because it's all the same stuff we've always done. Mm -hmm. So daring to ask different questions and different levels of questions, because most people will ask questions of, well, why, right? Like you have little kids. It's like, why, 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 why? We're like, shut up. Just because I said so, just because I said so. And then we get older and it's like, okay, well, there's different kinds of questions. There's what questions? Well, what if, or how, how might this be possible if we thought about or the, I think the best one is who? Who do I know that has done X, Y, or Z before? Who do I know that's living the kind of life that I want to live? Who do I know? Who might know the person that I need to know? A lot of times we're looking for a thing or you know some easy solution like the, the 999 easy button or the infomercial like solution. And yet It's not about the thing or the system or the tool, but it's actually about the who. It's actually who's the person that can help me? Who's the coach? Who's the mentor? Who's the consultant? Who's the friend that can help me navigate whatever's ahead? Yeah. I just, I love the idea of asking questions in general in parenting and just letting children sort of search their own mind and heart for the answers that are there but steering their search with the right question. Yes. Right? So one of the reasons we picked Acton was because it's very Socratic. So it's a fireable offense for a guide to actually answer a question. And so when our youngest, she was five when she started, it was like, I think it was her first day. And they, and they, they told us this story later. They're like, yeah, Brielle asked what time it was. Now, who doesn't want to tell a cute little five-year-old what time it is, right? <laughs> Super harmless question. But their answer was, Brielle, have you checked your Chromebook? Because they were teaching her how to find her own answer, but she didn't need to be dependent on somebody else to give her the time. Now, is there anything wrong with giving her the time? No, but the next time she probably wondered, she went and solved it herself. She didn't mm-hmm. need someone to give it to her because we'll always go the, the path of least resistance the easiest way. Right. But then when we empower our kids to actually observe like, oh, I know how to do this. I could, and I think a lot of times as parents, we think we know the answers. Like they'll say something, our kids will say something like, oh, well, yeah, well, you need to do this, this, and this. I can't, you know, da, 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 da. What if we challenged ourselves as parents to have to ask three questions before we made a statement? Mm. I've learned so much from my kids that way, where I'm like, wow, I didn't know they thought that way. I never would have thought of that idea. Where did she come up with that? Like, but we have to get into a place of curiosity. First, instead of judgment. And we tend to go to, ju- it's, it's just natural to go to judgment. So have grace with yourself there for going to times we go to judgment. And there are times where I'll apologize to my kids. You know what? I just got into judgment there. Would you have, would you, 
just give me some grace. Can I go back and can I ask a question instead? Because I want to be curious. Because there are times kids, our kids come to us and it's like, oh my gosh, they want to do some wackadoodle stuff. And I don't want it. We, we've decided one of the philosophies in our home is we don't want to say no. We want to say yes, how? Mm-hmm. And then we want to go down that path of, of questioning to figure out, okay, what, what makes sense? What, what would be a path forward? Laura, when she was 14, wanted to go to UPW with Tony Robbins for the second time. We were not going as a family. It was not in the budget. And everything in me screamed, hell no. Like you're 14. It's in Miami. We live in Austin. None of us are going. And instead, Seth and I were like, okay, yes, how? Like we we have veto power as parents. And I'll be darned, the kid, and she had $200 to her name. So it wasn't even like she had the resources to go do this, but she found the resourcefulness. And we're like, mom and dad get to veto anything because this is Miami and you're 14. Like, so we've got to be okay with where you're staying and who you're with and all that sort of stuff. And I tell the entire story in the book. So I won't, I won't, I won't ruin the whole thing. Except to say, you know where this is headed. She figured it out. Mm. She got a free ticket. She found a really great place to stay. And the people loved her so much that they were like, yeah, we'll, we'll work with whatever budget she's on because we really want her to come. And she made the way for her to get to UPW the second time because she wanted it. Wow, that's amazing. I love the yes, how mindset, just looking for ways to say yes. I think it's an important thing to do with our children. Not that that means we're going to always give them what they want, but looking for ways that what they want can be possible. Yeah. Or you know, how can they be able to create that? How can they earn that, right? They ask for a new bicycle or whatever it is, things that they want. The answer is not always, oh, sure, let's go do that right now today. But if we can find a way to say yes, and maybe it's not today, but here's the path to that, or here's how you can earn that, or how do you think you can do that? Uh, Just anything in in, in that way, it just creates a much more positive interaction with our children than being the one that always is constantly saying no to everything. Yeah, yeah, because we want to launch them into the world in such a way that they'll be resourceful not need the handout. So we're helping them. We're modeling a way to think and we're affirming to them that, Hey, you can do this. And we have the grace covering of you're still in our home. Like you've got a safety net. And then we're, we're using inquiry to ask these questions to help them explore. Okay. Well, what else might be possible? How else might I be able to make this work? And sometimes it's disappointment that needs to be modeled, right? It doesn't turn out the way that they want. And Hey, this is a safe place for you to experience disappointment too, because that's a part of life. Yeah, exactly. You write in this section, Alice, about the words you use as living differently. Mm -hmm. And I I think you've done a great job of summarizing what that really means and how that looks, how that feels in Mm -hmm. your family versus, uh, you know, how so many other families operate. That was really good. Yeah. Yeah, And it's living differently not for the sake of being different, living differently in verbalizing and knowing why you're choosing what you're choosing, right? If you choose public school, do it because you chose it, not because you just thought it was what you should do. If you go to college, do it because it was what you chose, not because it was by default. Because I think there's so many, uh, I think there's just so many people sleepwalking through life not consciously making choices. So we want to live in such a way that we're, we're making 
conscious choices for the life that we want to design. Mm, Profound. I love it. So finally, the C, Alice, is for coach. What does coaching your daughters look like for you and Seth? Yeah. So in the book, I talk about the difference between a coach, a consultant, and and a mentor. And I think as parents, we have 18 years as their coach. So I think a good coach is vested in the outcome of the game. Sometimes the coach calls the play. Sometimes the coach lets the player, the quarterback call the play at different times. And I think if we do our jobs well as a coach in those first 18 years, when we launch them into the world, they'll want us to come back as a consultant. They'll call us and we'll say, Hey, what do you think? I've got, I'm doing this, this, and this. And Hey, I just wanted your thoughts. They still get to make the decision. Now I've just taken a step back and I'm a consultant. I give them options. I give them my thoughts, but they get to make the decision as a coach. Like, no, I can tell them like, no, we're not going to do that. We're not running that play. But after 18 and they leave, no, if I've done my job well, they'll call me as consultant. And that's my goal in coaching with them is that once they leave home, that they would want, that they would care about what mom and dad think, that they would want our input. And they're not always going to go with what we think, but it doesn't matter. Like the fact that the relationship is strong enough that they can even pick up the phone and, and that they would want to know and they, that they want to carry. I also think there's this piece of coach as mom, not just how are we coaching them, but who's coaching us, right? Do you need a coach when it comes to physical health? Do you need one for finances, for your mental and emotional health, for parenting, parenting coach? Do you need a relationship coach? There's no shame in any of those because I I think that we've forgot that, hey, we, we all still are learning. We're all still growing. And this is part of how we get an education. So taking a taking an honest look at wait, where do I need coaching right now to take my own life to the next level? Because that, again, goes back to modeling, right? I'm modeling for my daughters that I don't know it all. I'm still growing. I'm still on this journey and I'm still figuring it out. Yeah. My five-year-old son played soccer this season. They just finished. And he had a particularly great coach. Mm. This guy is a, I think he's a second grade teacher. He might even be teaching younger kids than that, but he has a way about him that was really encouraging and really had like, he struck the right balance of the tone and, you know, letting the kids know what to do, but having them really like the process. And I think like a great coach, they're getting people to do things. They're they're, guiding people. They're telling sometimes, calling the play, as you said, but ultimately the the pupil the student likes what they're doing they enjoy the process and when people enjoy the process of learning of growing of developing then they're much more likely to continue doing those things mm-hmm. versus if a coach tells somebody what to do and the person does it begrudgingly right they're not learning to do it on their own right and uh, yeah. that whole way of being as a coach i think is an important part of of striking the right balance in coaching yeah, coaching style. You gotta you gotta know how your players learn and what they respond to. You know, is it all positive feedback, negative feedback? How do you balance the two? Different players need to be coached different ways. So if you have multiple children in the same style may not work. Right. Yeah. What else can you say about just coaching within your family that uh, you and Seth employ? So I got into real estate in April 2005. I was actually pregnant with our second daughter and I got a coach 
the month before I got into real estate because I just believe in the value of standing on the shoulders of giants and shortcutting the process. I think coach is the equivalent to a shortcut. So which one of us wouldn't want a shortcut to the life that we want to live? So neither one of us has been without a coach. We usually have multiple coaches at any given time in different areas. So we've had coaches for the last at least 18, 20, 18, 19 years. And that's a model for our kids. And as our kids have gotten older, so now our our 19 and our 17-year-old, they actually coach kids. Hmm. Wow. So they've taken on the other kids as clients that are wanting to create their own best lives at 10, 11, 12, 13. And we all know that by coaching someone else, you master the material. Yeah. So that's exactly. part of why they wanted to coach. Was it's like, well, if if I coach somebody else, then I'm gonna have to do the same stuff. So it's good accountability. Yeah. yeah. Exactly. So powerful. Just the whole idea of who's coaching you. If you're a parent and you, you are not doing something to work on your parenting skills, what are you thinking? Yeah. Right? What are you thinking? Like, I think for, for most of us who are parents, we feel like it's the most important role we have. And our maybe our second most important role is our business exploits. And all of us have coaches and mentors and people that guide us at work. Right? But if you're not getting guidance and having the right conversations and studying the right material and reading books like The Magic Mom and learning yeah. as a parent, right? Well, what are you doing? Right? What are you doing? I don't think anyone gets to their grave and says like, oh man, I, you know, I spent too much time learning more about how to be a great parent. And so there's always room for us to learn and grow in the relationships. Like put your money where your mouth is. If your relationships really are the most important thing, invest in yourself to go grow in that area to make the relationship even better. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Alice, how can people follow you, learn more, keep in touch with you, et cetera? Yeah. Well, find the book on Amazon, alicedaily.com, A-L-Y-C-E-D-A-I-L-E-Y. Go to the website. Lots of opportunities to connect there, Instagram. Yeah. But again, my number one core value is community. So when you pick up the book, you read something that sticks out to you, tell me about it, share it, keep the conversation going. Because I think there's a lot of moms, again, in particular, that need some of this stuff in their lives and for us to just be able to have a bigger conversation. And if any of you happen to be in the Austin area, definitely send me a message because I host some really epic girls night out events that I'd love to invite you to. That's fantastic. Have you got any last words of inspiration for parents or future parents that you want to leave the audience with today? Yeah, I think going back to the whole, like we want our kids to be happy and the way to have happy kids is to live a life for yourself that you love and that is authentic to you. And so my one of my core messages in the book is just that wherever you are, whatever you're doing, whatever it feels like today and right now, it is never, ever, 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 ever too late to live a life that you love. And that by doing that, all of these other things start to fall into place. Great words of wisdom. Very inspirational. Loved the value you've shared today with the audience, Alice. Thank you so much for being part of the podcast. Thank you, Dan. That was Alice Daly, everybody, the magic mom. I hope you enjoyed that conversation. The M is for model. 
what am I projecting in my own life, right? Are you living by your values? Are your children seeing that? The A is for affirm the words that we speak both to ourselves and to our children. The G is for grace. Who can I extend grace to, particularly extending grace to ourselves, but also, of course, in our lives to all the people around us, because uh, life is this imperfect journey, of course, for every single one of us. The I in magic is inquire. What new questions can I ask that open up possibility and becoming the kind of person that is a skillful questioner and steers conversation, steers thought for ourselves and for our children in the direction of possibility and opportunity. And the C is for coach, being the right kind of coach for our children that results in us being invited to be a consultant once our children are raised. And then, of course, the question of uh, who's coaching you? What are you doing to up-level your game as a parent? The book is called The Magic Mom. As Alice said, is a personal growth book disguised as a parenting book. I encourage you to pick up a copy or 10 at amazon.com. And you can follow Alice at alicedaily.com. It is A-L-Y-C-E. D-A-I-L-E-Y. Hope you got a lot out of this one. Thanks so much, Alice, for joining us on the podcast and bringing some great value. Thanks for listening. If you got value from today's episode, please share it with others and consider rating or reviewing us on your podcast player. Subscribing to the podcast is free and ensures that future episodes are automatically downloaded directly to your device. For access to guest bios, show notes, and other resources, visit changinglivespodcast.com. You can sign up there to receive valuable resources for free from people featured on the podcast. And to support our podcast sponsors, visit changinglivespodcast.com slash deals. This is Dan Cassetta signing off. We'll be back in a few days for our next story about changing lives. 